Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on March the 26th, 2012. For newcomers, help yourself to the audios at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and hopefully you'll get a big understanding, a clearer understanding of the the big system that pays no attention to you at all apart from wanting to know your data, but a big system with a big plan and the organizations behind it that really set out to own the world a long, long time ago and how really you're living through a script. Uh, All the major events in your life really to do with wars and amalgamations of countries, all that kind of stuff, it's just a big long script that was drafted up about 100 years ago, probably longer actually, but they certainly came out with the ideas and the organizations to make it happen at least 100 years ago. That's in the open, that is. So help yourself to the audios there and understand really the system you're living through and why there's so much mass unemployment. And it's all part of the big plan, of course, as they, they moved all the big factories and lots of business offshore to cheaper countries, not just for the cash, but also to bring you into this thing called austerity and to build up the, the next countries as they bring them up into uh, the best nation trading status uh, that they give them for trading, etc., which means tax-free, basically, for big corporations. But anyway, help yourself to those. You'll find out the books they mention along the way and the big players that wrote them that were involved in setting up their part of the global structure. You can also keep me going by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office or send cash, or you can use PayPal, it's up to you. Cross the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. Member straight donations are very, very welcome. Now, I try and chronicle the events and go back to the past in various books or articles that the big players at the world meetings put out at the time that no one took any, any you know, attention to, because why should you be, we're trained to understand not to even look at what's going on on a global scale. Uh, in fact, we're too worried about what's happening in your little local area, never mind a national area. Most folk are worried about keeping a job, uh, paying their rent, uh, and that kind of thing. So they don't have much time. Plus, the media is so incredibly good at, uh, at diverting you from major events that are affecting you uh, directly and uh, and taking you off into some other foreign field somewhere, what's happening over in the Middle East or somewhere else as they go on with their war plans, which is, again, part of the script. And meanwhile, they're doing amazing things back home. It's amazing things to do with, well, training children that don't need privacy, and most children already believe that, for instance. That's for one thing. And if you have no privacy at all, you can't have your own minds, ultimately, you just start second-guessing yourself as to what information you're putting out there, who knows about it, and ultimately, it's like being... You don't need to be put in a prison, a little cell, to be monitored. You're monitored wherever you go for whatever you say, who you talk to, and everything else. That's the perfect prison, you see. 
and you're all part of it. You've been trained to be part of it. Most folk do adapt into it because most of it is unobtrusive to them, so they don't get upset. But um, as I say, it doesn't get obtrusive until they come for you for some reason or another. And you'll never know in some ways when they do come for you because you'll, you'll visit the doctor on something and unbeknownst to you, they've told the doctor what to give you. How is that about that one? You think it doesn't happen? Of course it does. You're living in a stage play in a sense and the one person who is uh, kept in the dark is yourself. Every organization, every licensed person and professions, if need be, can be called upon and are called upon to deal with you when required. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix. We are living, all living pretty well, in doublethink, as it's called, where we can hold two opposing opinions in our head at the same time, and we think we're sane. We can go into the world, we can't help but go into the world of entertainment today because it's everywhere, so much entertainment. And we gobble down their movies. We really do gobble them. People gobble them one after another. And uh, they never think there's anything but entertainment value to the movie they've just gobbled down. In reality, everyone's got a hook in it, you see, which is predictive programming, which gets you used used to uh, a kind of idea uh, coming along the road or an idea that's already here. And, And you also see how the people react to it in the movie. Do they react at all? Do they just accept it? Well, however they react to it is how you accept it too down the road. Old technique, the Tavistock Institute was really the primal group that came up with this, all this idea of predictive programming uh, from World War I onwards for the BBC. And they worked with uh, even television dramas and soaps like Coronation Street uh, that always gave you the next part of your future including mass immigration, how you react to it, how the families react to it. And people actually copied the, the characters in the, in the series. It was incredibly well done. And um, the, on board, they had psychiatrists, psychologists, and uh, every, every ist you can imagine, and was on the board to make sure they were dead on with their, their techniques. You never realize the same thing happens with movies. And when you watch movies like Eagle Eye, of course, you get wrapped up in the chase because they always give you a chase. You identify with the hero or heroine and sometimes both in this strange world we're living now and uh, at the same time that is. And and then, of course, they're, they're getting chased, so you're getting chased and that's why you keep watching it to the bitter end, you see. It affects the primal part of your brain, very primitive part, and you can't turn away. So fear is addictive. So fear can make you watch something right through. But what you don't really notice is the, the programming you're, you're downloading along the way. And um, so I say this enemy of the state as well is an excellent uh, one to see. Uh, and that was done in the 90s. But it was showing you the, the techniques of the NSA and other organizations working with them. And, and even then, showing you a lot of fairly advanced stuff for their time. But what really came out of it is the incredible unlimited access that the big agencies have to all your data. They always have had. They always have had. And once in a while you get someone coming out of the organizations 
because laws have been broken. I mean, they've crossed lines somewhere, a line in the sand, basically, uh, of the law, and they're uncomfortable about it, and they blow the whistle. And they always get persecuted and prosecuted, but really persecuted. And tonight I'll put up a, a link and to it's Thomas Drake, who, he, who was in the NSA, and he came out and, and talked about what was, was happening uh, with surveillance and how they've been doing it for years and years, even before 9-11, and crossing the line even then, even all the way back to the days of Jimmy Carter. Because understand when you're owned, and, and this is, let's be honest about this democracy nonsense, we don't have democracy, we have no input into anything. If the public ever have any kind of input, the idea was given to them by the ones who own them. And that's why they have NGOs who stir up them up and all the banners come out and so on. And you kind of go along and go, oh, okay, that sounds fair. But you don't realize there's another agenda there. But the public have never had what they call democracy. Democracy is supposed to be where someone from your area, they can go and knock on your door and talk to, is sent by you to the government to to stand up for his area. That doesn't happen. They stand up for something called the party, as you well know. And so in their area, uh, or some laws getting going to get passed, it's going to be detrimental to their area. Your party members say, oh, I well, can't, can't help it, you see. Your politician, I can't help it because, you see, I have to go with the party's vote. You see, it's been like that forever, you see. It's nothing to do with what the public want. Never has been. There's a power structure, the dominant minority, the technocratic bureaucracy that, that deals with them. And there's a lot of technocracy involved in this day and age, believe you me. They've got uh, the scientists all on board with them uh, to do with information, information, information. And uh, then there's all of you down at the bottom that get something called the, the daily news dished out to them by the, the bucket load, which is trivia or nonsense. Or, or twisted news. But I'll, tonight I'll put the links to the NSA employee, Thomas Drake, and uh, you can hear from his own mouth what they were doing and what they are doing today and how they get round every law that they draft up themselves. They even had a law, you see, at one point, that, they, that, that I think it was Pfizer or something they called it, but uh, they couldn't uh, investigate people domestically from a foreign country or whatever. So what they did, basically, at one point, is, is decided to call America a foreign nation so that they could break their own laws and spy on every citizen. It's just, just, well, what do you expect from them? They're beyond the movies. They're beyond movies. And that's what power is, you see. And it's power that's unchecked. And out of the Cold War came all these different organizations that even politicians couldn't question. Until you have this, this shadow government that no one can, can find out anything about, their own budgets and everything. And no politician can even ask them or demand, you know, how much we spent this year and what on. And you, how can you have a democracy when you've got that running you? You can't. Especially when the shadow government supposedly is there to keep the nation in check, etc., and pretend that it's your, it's your big shield against everything. Well, the, the shield does and keep us in utter ignorance. But I'll put this up tonight, these links, there's this part one and two. Part two is, is really interesting. And you'll see how it really works. And every country is the same. Every nation is the same. Because as I say, at the top, you've got this intergenerational dominant minority that owns everything. Uh, you've got all these big organizations and, and agencies and corporations that are owned by the dominant minority too. 
and a weapons industry and in all this massive surveillance industry. And there's been nothing put up in any country, I think, to stop surveillance. To stop it. As you see, people say, well, you can't stop science. Well, who's saying stopping science? Let's put it this way. Because it exists doesn't mean you have to use it. We've got the atomic bomb, but we don't use it. That's been agreed upon. What should be the same with the snooping and spying and everything else? Yeah, we could do it, but we're not going to, you see. Why? Because it's wrong, that's why. And it never ends. It goes into everything, as we well know, until, as I say, there's television sets coming out now that spy on you. People have, And there's always the morons at the bottom. There are moronic people at the bottom level. There's all levels that got morons, but you definitely have a bunch at the bottom as well. You know the kind. They used to sit in the, at the back of the class in school and, and, and make strange animal noises, and the teacher would throw them raw meat once in a while. I mean, you do get people like that who think it's great. You know, oh, it's watching us, let's do something, and you know what they're going to do. This is reality. But the average person will adapt to it so quickly, so quickly, and because it's unobtrusive, you don't have a big arm sticking out of it with a camera lens, it's hidden inside the television, uh, you'll get used to it and adapt until you're doing things maybe in front of it that you should not be doing. People just don't think, you see. And the governments are all on board with this because the governments, you see, are, are one government today. They call it governance, global governance. And I might touch on this later as well. As I say, definitely go into the, the, the NSA employees, uh, Thomas Drake's uh, talk. It's on democracy now, which I understand takes money from the Rockefeller Foundation, but um, never mind that. Just listen to what the guy's got to say. And talking about getting used to being spied on and having the technology and using it, you see. And this article here says microchipped school uh, uniforms notify parents when the children skip school. Now, I talked about this coming a few years ago because of the articles in some some of the magazines back then about chipping uniforms. I think even uh, Oprah had some character on. She was pushing at one point. Someone said uh, where he was talking about doing the same kind of thing. Because it's just so just worried about the children, right? This is in, in Vitoria da Conquista, Brazil. 20,000 grade school students have recently started wearing uniforms embedded with GPS chips, similar to those used in pet trackers. The chips automatically send parents a text message as soon as their children enter the school grounds or if their children are late for more than 20 minutes. It's embedded either under the school coat of arms or on one of the sleeves, according to the city's education secretary, Carolano Mores. The local government decided to launch the project because parents would always be surprised when told of the number of times their children skipped class. So they put a a light-hearted thing on it. We've all skipped class at some time. Sometimes for months. But anyway, Victoria de Conquista's government has spent $670,000 designing and manufacturing shirts for the first 20,000 students. $670,000 designing and manufacturing shirts for the first 20,000 students. That's not a bad profit, eh? City officials plan to make more so that all 43,000 public school students in the city from age 4 to 14 can use the high-tech shirts in 2013. Now, that's going to be great for stalkers and everybody else who can tap into it, which will be easy enough to do. But it won't matter, you see, because technology is, is, is the king now. It's right. It's the new god. It's the new god, apparently. It can do anything. 
and and we'll see what comes out of it. But articles like this, and even what they're doing, is to get the rest of the population used to being tracked themselves. The older ones too. I'll soon be in all your shirts if it's not already. And um, they'll track you wherever you go. I know it's in shoes and things at Walmart, or, or I think it's Walmart that's got them embedded in them. But uh, it's going to be everywhere, and we'll just have to adapt to it. And as I say, this is the unspoken thing. Oh, but science can make it. We've got to use it. Got to use it. Yeah. But nonsense. Utter nonsense. Actually, if you're a democracy, you'd have a right to say no. And they'd have to go along with you. And you'd have to have a democratic panel on board watching all these politicians that you don't elect <laughs> over the short to make sure they went along with the wishes of the people. But as I say, that'll be the day. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix. I can remember years ago talking to someone who was in the know and I mentioned exotic weaponry, as they call it, uh, and that uh, even during Reagan's time and probably before, they had been putting satellites up there that could literally target uh, nations with their, with their various technologies. Uh, maybe people was sick, for instance, and of course there's nothing new in that because uh, Brzezinski in Between Two Ages talked about that too. Uh, literally, technologies that could put ELF waves or different kind of waves across a continent and either lull people into sleep or wake them up, make them hyperly excited, and things like that. However, this uh, this is a, a tonight too. I'll put up a, a video about one of the bills that were passed years ago. And a congressional bill mentions targeting populations with exotic weapons. And um, I think the bill is also called, uh, it was HR 2977.ih, it was called. And that goes into it in some detail, different types and so on. But you understand these technologies can, can not only attack whole specific nations and countries, they're so accurate they can target a single person if they want to and drive you crazy probably, or make you suicidal, or stop you from sleeping at night. That would start to do it, for instance. And they have this stuff, and it's all up there, all over the sky above you. And um, I'm sure that the big countries all have the same technologies, because you can't keep it secret anymore these days, you see. So I'll put uh, the video up and the bill itself. And that was from, I think, 2001, 2002, uh, the bill was put forth. And as I say, they do have this stuff. They got so much stuff going on. It's just incredible, just incredible. That's where these odd things come into all the papers from Britain. They have it for about a year. The strange sounds that they hum, everybody hears. Australia's got it now. A kind of whistling sound they hear drives them crazy. Uh, some parts of Australia, and they use it across the world, just laughing up their sleeves, saying, "Yeah, it works here too." And Stuff like that. Of course it does. We're the ultimate guinea pigs because when they're doing this stuff on animals and little rats and cages, it's meant to be used on people. They want to see what it does to the animals first, you see. Do you think they want to retrain animals to take over the world or something? No, no, no. It's it's just that they see we're a higher animal. If it works on these particular ones, it'll work on humans too. 
you really live in a nightmare, and, and a, a lot of people can't handle what they have working on the public. It's, maybe it's better that some people, if they can't handle it, especially, don't push it. Don't put, don't force someone to wake up whose personality is a bit neurotic for of whatever you do. Don't try. Don't even begin to try. Because they can't handle, a lot of people can't handle the really, really, really bad news. Especially close relatives, don't, don't, if they can't handle it, leave them alone. Otherwise you'll have nobody, you know, you've got to keep your family intact. And here's an article here, it's quite interesting actually. It's, um, it says climate fund, a climate fund, a big business and charity work and stuff for, you know, climate fund seeks United Nations style diplomatic immunity. The Green Climate Fund, they've had article, you know, massive websites all over the place, which is supposed to help mobilize as much as $100 billion a year to lower global greenhouse gases. They probably, you know, create more heat with all their websites. But anyway, it's seeking a broad blanket of United Nations-style immunity that would shield its operations from any kind of legal process, including civil and criminal prosecution in the countries where it operates. Isn't that wonderful, being a, a big organization, you know, charitable? type, you know, uh, where, you, where you're shielded from any kind of legal process. No one can open your books uh, or, or fine you or charge you or put you in prison. Isn't that wonderful, eh? It says, there's just one problem. It's not part of the United Nations, where the fund, which was formally created at a United Nations climate conference in Durban, South Africa, last December, will get all the money it wants to spend is open to question in an era of economic slowdown and fiscal austerity. A spending goal comes atop some $30 billion in fast startup money that has been pledged by the United Nations member states. That's the people, the public, you know, that's including us. We're going to start up using billions of dollars, this new con game, you see. Uh, so it, it's just, just a, do we really need another climate change bunch? Well, the big boys must, must think so. A 24-nation interim board of trustees for the Green Climate Fund is slated to hold its first meeting next month in Switzerland. Oh, good for them. They get to go holidays everywhere to organize the fund's secretariat and to get it running by November, as well as find a permanent home for the GCF's operations. I'm sure they're looking for a disused castle somewhere in the Alps, you know. The board is expected to spend around $6.7 million between now and June of next year. Not bad. They haven't even started up, you know, really officially yet. As a, a bona fide UN cover. Once you get that, that stamp on it, you're okay. You could, you know, take, put half of it in your pocket and go home with it. Anyway, it says, but before it's fully operational, that the C, the GCF's creators, 194 countries that belong to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, the UNFCCC, <laughs> wanted to be immune from legal challenges and lawsuits, not to mention outside inspections, much like the United Nations itself cannot be affected by decisions rendered by a sovereign nation's government or judicial system. It's much like the Bank of England, isn't it? You can't open its books either or charge anybody. Despite its name, the UNFCCC was informed in 2006 by the UN Office of Legal Affairs that was not considered a UN organ and therefore could not claim immunity for its subordinate bodies or personnel under the General Convention that has authorized UN immunity since the end of World War II. Mind you, all the money will go missing in your pockets and all that stuff. Back with more after this break. You're listening.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix. And it truly is a matrix, isn't it? It truly is a matrix. Most folk are still on the bottom level. There's a vast majority of the public that believe the media and are taught to believe the media. In fact, they've got no idea that the media should do anything wrong in the first place. They question that they're good people. They're generally good people. But their conditioning, their indoctrination conditioning has taken, has taken on them like an inoculation. It's really taken well. And they haven't a clue. In fact, they'll get kind of nasty if you if you try and tell them something different from the media. But um, the free trade idea was was dreamed up even 500, 600 years ago in Britain. And uh, John Dee mentioned it. If they can create a, a brightish empire, he says, with free trade. What do you? But I also had to you see adopt Britain's system of government, which as you well know, is really a, a monarchy. You see. That's why you see Obama over there giving, like they put up last week, the little speech to the Queen as, as her loyal and obedient servant. He's a president of a United States saying, I'm a loyal and an obedient servant. See, underneath that, that group of, of servants, that's all the sirs and all the ones that went knighted and everything. Then they're just the rabble, you see. They're, they're called subjects. They don't have any rights at all. And, um, and so that's an official thing when he says something like that. It's very, very official. It's an understanding. It's the special relationship they have with, with England, you see, the U.S. and England. But John Dee mentioned it. Francis Bacon mentioned it too. And then, of course, the Milner group that emerged, you know, other groups came before them, probably the same group just bobbing up through time with different names. Uh, they, they joined with the Cecil Rhodes Foundation and Lord Rothschild to create the Royal Institute of International Affairs, commonly called the Council on Foreign Relations in America. But they have them across the whole world now. And these are the boys who drafted up the whole plan for the United Nations to be set up and then for the World Trade Organizations to be set up and then free trade to be set up, you see. And we're ongoing with free trade. So not only do you join it by you know, selling your goods back and forth and your people, but you also have to join a system, which they, they, they pretend at times is democracy. But really, it's the same thing where whoever joins it sends the head honcho over to the queen, you see, to get a little, a little ceremony done. Anyway, here's an article here, and it's from the Canadian press, and it says, Stephen Harper, the Prime Minister of Canada, hailed the opening of free trade talks with Japan on Sunday as a historic opportunity while economic experts warned of perils of opening borders to the world's third largest economy. So they're running across the world. So is Obama, too, doing the same thing, sending these Asian Pacific pacts and all the rest of it for free trade. But the U.S. hasn't brought in value-added tax, which is takes over from the import tariffs. See, they're going to lose import tariffs, you see. That's, that's why, how governments existed before at one time. That's how the U.S. was supposed to exist, was on import tariffs not personal taxes from the people. And because they're doing away with the import tariffs, uh, they're going to, you have to get a value-added tax. And I call it any name you want, but a rose is still a rose under any other name. And in Canada, they called it the GST, General Sales Tax, because the Canadians had an upcry about value-added tax. And so Mulroney changed it to GST, which is the same thing. And... Um, 
and, and then of course it expands up and up and up. In some European countries, it's 25 percent on every item you purchase, and some there's even more. Every item you purchase, this massive tax that should really be kept on import duties. So anyway, they're all running across the world signing these things and saying nothing to the public, you know, and uh, and of course. Uh, it also allows, under as many subsections, to allow corporations from any country coming into your country and uh, polluting if they want to. If they pollute in their own country, for instance, let's say for a third world country, come in and also hire people at the wages that they'd pay them in their own country. And if you say, no, you can't do that, they can go to the WTO and fine you millions of dollars. So they, we lose whichever way it goes, even if you, if you, if your country charges them for something. Uh, they'll charge you back, and they must win under the t- agreements. But they also have this free trade, which is also the free uh, movements of goods and labor. That's why in Australia they're bringing them in from China and elsewhere to work the mines, at the, and, and same with India, uh, to, to work them, uh, at bringing their own labor in. So it really doesn't use the people no good at all. And everything goes up and up in price. Anyway, that's, that, everybody's doing it today. There's a big rushes on to get the whole world bound together. And then under economic global governance, which runs everything, uh, they get their way, you see. And Canada also, uh, it runs after a free trade deal with Thailand. Poor little Thailand is going to get hammered one way or another. And um, this article here is an interesting one because it's the, the global citizen organization. Now, I know that Rockefeller uh, certainly has been given out global citizenship awards for years to all the big players and well-known names that you all know. Uh, that's newscasters to politicians, for those who don't know. And uh, you can search it up, you'll find interviews, or actually you see them handing the little cup or whatever they get to the global citizen leaders, etc. But there's an actual uh, site up, you see, and it's called uh, Global, Sin- global Citizens Initiative. And you can go back all the way to, to, to Socrates, and even before that you, you had uh, other ones talking about, because it's a continuous movement in, in philosophy groups, uh, this global citizens idea. And um, it, it says uh, it gives you interviews with some of the top leaders, for instance, one of the top leaders I'll put up tonight as an interview for, for global citizenship and initiative is uh, Fernando M. Reimers, who's the Ford Foundation Professor of International Education and Director of Global Education. Isn't that nice? At the, at the International Education Policy Program at Harvard. Did you know you had an International Education Policy Program at Harvard? Well, you wouldn't because you didn't go to Harvard, eh? <laughs> anyway, to learn more about his personal path towards global citizenship. As an educator with expertise in a wide variety of fields, from social entrepreneurship to democratic citizenship, oh, Fernando brings a unique perspective to the conversation about what it means to be a global citizen. And then it's also got Parag Kana, who is a director of the Global Governance Initiative at the New America Foundation. You see? And these, remember too, at the Ford Foundation, for instance, they were one of the groups mentioned uh, that were funding all the left-wing activities back in the 1950s when investigated by Congress, the official inquiry went into uh, these foundations, Rockefeller, Ford, Carnegie, all the big ones, Guggenheim, there's lots and lots of them out there. Uh, They were funding all what seemed to be communist movements. Why would they be doing that in their own country? Why would top capitalists be funding the top communists? 
They wanted to overthrow the capitalist system. It made no sense to realize they both worked together. And of course, the, the big boys with the cash set up, the ones with the, with the, with the, who had nothing, they were called them communists. And actually, there were many millionaires and multimillionaires who were communists too. You should question why that is, eh? Anyway, I'll put this site up here and um, also their, their own site, which is says who they are. And they say, a global citizen is someone who identifies with being a part of the emerging world's community and whose actions contribute to building this community's values and practices. What it means is someone is going to get a job in the future. You know, I get asked all the time by youngsters, what are they going to do? They're coming in countries where there's no work. What should I study, etc.? And, and if you if you can stomach it, if you can stomach it and swallow the bile, you know, we swallow, don't don't let it out, you know, you, you got to go into something like this, unfortunately, because there's been no other work otherwise. In this world they're bringing in, you've got to be at least pretend you are just like Winston and George Orwell's 1980. You pretend you're a loyal supporter to get fed or to get a paycheck. So a global citizen, a path to building identity and community in a globalized world. And uh, they've got a book out too by Ron Israel, 2011, it went out. But um, it gives you questions to ask, you know, how can I act more responsibly as a citizen of the globe? How can I better contribute to and advocate for policies and programs that benefit the whole planet? How can I become more engaged with the institutions involved in global governance? See, they give you all the contacts to get work, you see. You start your own little charity off and, and be a good yes man and then get diplomatic immunity like that green group. And they never question where the cash goes and go off to holiday in Switzerland and stuff like that. Where can I meet people who share my interests in global citizenship and work with them to build a better planet? So you, it's a, a win-win situation, but you've got to either be a psychopath or, or you've trained yourself well, well to be a survivor. I mean, seriously, that's what it's down to. Do you get to vote to be on global citizenship? Have you been asked your opinions on it? Do your opinions matter? Of course they don't. Of course they don't. But they will put you in touch with all the different groups that will find your work. And before you know it, you'll be telling town councils and city councils what to do. And you get wearing a good suit. And you might get to go to those parties like Strauss-Kahn went to. You know, stuff like that. Anyway... That's how it's, it really is in the world. really is in the world. There's no democracy for the public at the bottom. An article, too, I want to put up is to do with Monsanto. Biotechnology book for children is caught brainwashing them. And so they put out uh, uh, a biotechnology uh, active or activity book, it's called. Monsanto's biotechnology book for children caught brainwashing children. Facing direct opposition from the public, biotechnology giants like Monsanto and Dow are now making a disturbing attempt to brainwash developing minds into accepting their genetically modified foods using blatant lies and propaganda. In a last-ditch effort to potentially sway public opinion, the Council for Biotechnology Information has launched the Biotechnology Basics Activity Book for Children with intent to use by agriculture and science teachers. The activity book, the activity book spreads absurd lies about GMO crops even going as far as to say that they can improve our health <laughs> and help the environment. Hey? <laughs> That's astonishing. It's just astonishing. It's a pity that there's no laws to do with lying, eh? but then you'd have no politics at all. It's sad. 
Now, there's an article, too, I wanted to mention. It's just about the big banks. And it says, too crooked to fail, Matt. Taby says bailouts, fraud are the secrets to the Bank of America's success. I'll put that up tonight, too. And some other ones as well, which go along that line. Last week I mentioned your TV watching you. I'll put that up again for those who've already forgotten it because I'm sure you've got to have everything, right? The latest gadgetry and you want to get the latest HD TV. And uh, you you better remember this stuff is going to be uh, tracking you and everyone who comes into your house. I mean, personally, if I was invited in a house where they've got this TV on, I'd say no. I wouldn't go in. It's got voice recognition, face uh, recognition, all the rest of it. And... uh, this is no way I'd be near people like It's bad enough with their phones, eh? They've always got their phones in their hands, taking photographs of before and behind them, and you can't get peace. You can't get peace from idiots. And they are idiots. They are idiots. Because they get told all the time by the media what's happening to them with, with their... They've got the whole layout of your house and everything, everything in your house, and they still keep using them. You see, well, what can you do, eh? Occupy London's anger over police terrorism document. They're now classed by the City of London as uh, amongst terrorist groups such as Al-Qaeda and other ones. So uh, that's that for that. And now they've got you know Soviet bankers getting shot in England now. Interesting, Ex, ex-Soviets, you know. Former Russian bankers are in critical condition in hospital after he was shot several times in East London. See, there's a big mafia coming. It's been in, actually, Britain. A lot of them went to Ireland, too, in different places, because they get all this free funding to start up businesses by the government. But uh, now they're having shootouts in London by the big bankers from, from Russia. And uh, it's interesting how it's developing, all this wonderful inter- internationalism and, and, and multiculturalism, and, and it's good for everybody and stuff like that. Now, Canada's so hard up now that um, they're actually uh, making it okay for brothels to start up. Ontario Court of Appeal greenlights brothels and sweeps aside many of Canada's anti-prostitution laws. This is um, Nikki Tom, Executive Director of Sex Professionals of Canada, called Sex Professionals. Dominatrix Terry Jean Bedford and Valerie Scott celebrate during press conference in Toronto, March 26. The Court of Appeal for Ontario last night or has swept aside some of the country's anti-prostitution laws, saying they place unconstitutional restrictions on prostitutes' ability to protect themselves. So um, the Court of Appeal has swept aside them, and the rest of the country can basically follow suit, apparently. It says a landmark decision means sex workers will be able to hire drivers, bodyguards, and support staff and work indoors in organized brothels or body houses. That's B-A-W-D-Y. Uh, while exploiting uh, by pimps remains illegal. So certain things still remain illegal. The government will become the pimp uh, now and collect taxes. I mean, that's really it, isn't it? That's really what it is. The government's a pimp. Yeah. Yeah. Mind you, bodyguards and that, so there's good work for guys that are getting out of the army if they're still alive and in one piece. And this other article, too, it's kind of funny in a sense, but predictable. People in America and, and Canada, U.S. and Canada, don't realize that even their census information is sorted out by people in India. It's all outsourced to these people. 
And you know that most of your IT companies and that too, if you need any problems uh, worked out, you'll get someone speaking very thick uh, Indian accent generally. But Indian's call centres are selling your credit card details and medical records for just two pennies. Two pennies per you, right? The data belonging to 500,000 Britons is on offer to criminals and marketing firms, and crooks are offering information on customers of major high street banks. Confidential personal data, hundreds of thousands of Britons, is being touted by corrupt Indian call centre workers, and undercover investigation has discovered. Credit card information, medical and financial records are being offered for sale to criminals and marketing firms for as little as two pence per person. Two consultants claiming to be IT workers at several call centres made undercover reporters from the Sunday Times and boasted of having 45 different sets of personal information on nearly 500,000 Britons. As an industry, it says, the actual industry itself, the IT business, employs 330,000 people uh, in India, and it's an industry worth around 3.2 billion a year. And data includes name, address, phone numbers, credit card holders, start and expiry dates, as well as the three-digit security verification codes. Uh, the information, much of which relates to customers at major financial companies, including HSBC and NatWest, would be a goldmine for criminals, allowing fraudsters to siphon thousands of pounds from bank accounts within minutes. So it's just great to spreading your data across the planet and outsourcing and under free trade. It, well, it gives the crooks work, doesn't it? It gives lots of crooks things to do, I suppose. And, you know. and as I say, the, the real world is vastly, vastly different from what they give you. Vastly different. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to Darren from Ireland, if you're still hanging on there. Are you there, Darren? Hello, Alan. How are you today? Hanging on here to myself. <laughs> uh, just to go back to a point you made about Coronation Street, if anyone wants to check out a documentary that was recently released, it's called The Road to Coronation Street, and it's a documentary on the whole show over the last 50-odd years, and in the, in the documentary they admit how the show was, was able to sway public opinion and even change it at times when it comes to a variety of uh, topics. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to make one other point. This whole management system in the whole New World Order thing, if it's if it's an agreed system of, let's say, 360, we, can we, are we only able to see the, the kind of whole 180 degrees of the rest of the management system and, and the real are the real kind of controllers the other 180 degree system that we can't see. Yeah, I, I yeah, was trying to yeah. think about if it, of it as a when the sun rises and sets. If we're only allowed to see that kind of area of it and the rest of the one, because the sun goes around 360, but we're not allowed to see the rest of the side. That's um, right. Just, uh, well, that's right. There's, there's no doubt about it. I mean. Even with the, the, the group that, that, that takes the, the credit for starting up the whole idea, there's the Royal Institute for International Affairs, um, they have um, a, an outer circle. So we're only allowed to know the names of some 
of the big players from the outer circle. We know all the, the media guys are all part of it and so on. They're all members in, in all countries. And um, uh, I've even got their names, mind you, from their old books of those in Ireland. I have them here from the minutes of their meetings. But uh, going way back to the 30s. But um, you have another group too, the inner circle. And, and George Orwell knew what he was talking about in 1984, about the outer party, the inner party, uh, because it's very much like that. And that's what he was re- referring to in, in his book. But um, there's lifelong members uh, that uh, go to, the lifelong fellows, for the, and they meet in, in All Souls College. Uh, uh, that's where they meet every every so often for big, big plans when it's going to be a next push on something. These are the guys who met there too when they decided to take over Africa and the mines and get it out of the hands of the Boers by, by faking and starting a war and blaming the Boers. Carl Quigley mentions this in his own book, the historian for the group. So these guys have been behind every major war, uh, as I say, even before World War One. So that the Boer War we know of, and Quigley again mentions they even had reporters from the Times come over with them to help start the war that wasn't happening, <laughs> to make Britain back home, all the British folk think, oh, there's a war, we better send the troops in. And, and then at the same time they were hammering to get public opinion up against Germany in the late 1800s and eliminate Germany. So it took years to, of propaganda for them to work it up for World War I so that it was a, a dead go when it started. So these guys uh, literally decided to take the entire world over, but at that very pinnacle of it all, they'd had their CEOs in the corporations, which they themselves would start up. All these big, big business corporations didn't come out of little uh, guys making shoes or whatever. Um, they, came, they were started up by big money from the same groups because the, the initial Royal Institute of International Affairs boys were made up of international bankers and their sons. And so... You know, just they run the world, basically. Yeah. Just one last point, Alan. Uh, sorry. If everything's a front, uh, and the way to say that the, the West controls everything, is it really that the East, the real controllers are probably in the East? It, well, actually, they, they are global now. They've intermarried into the top families of every country in the world and have been doing that for quite some a long time, actually. They are the prominent families across the planet now. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Alan. But thanks for calling. And from Hamish from Marcella from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God, draw your gods, go with you.